0: Hey, it is good for us to be together. I'm Pastor Joe, and worship is great this morning. I always enjoy worshiping with you. Man, we're we're in our homes, we're in our small groups. Maybe you're still in your family group, and that's exciting. Uh, But we're still, we're still pushing back the kingdom of darkness and saying, hey, praising God, being the church, building the church, and doing things like that are still paramount. To why we're still on this planet and what's going on. Um, we're at the church today, and I'm just telling you, I'm a little bit excited about that because what it means is we're that that much closer to coming back together with with our you know recommendations and things. So be aware of that. If you're not aware of that, please go to our website vineyardrichmond.com, click on the link, what to expect when you come back to church, and and make yourself aware of that kind of stuff. Okay, we've got to we got to take care of each other. But you can see behind me, things are going in. We're getting our Live streaming platform up and going. I'm proud of the media team that's doing that for us. But today I want to share with you the, the final in this series. It was just a three uh, sermon series. I want to share with you this final message and what's it going to take. I began with, like, what's it going to take for us to kind of go all in, but I didn't want to use quite that phrase. Um, Pastor Jeff talked uh, last week about what's it going to take for us to just say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm surrendering. I'm coming after you. I, I am about it. Today I want want to talk because we're so close to June 7th. Today I want to talk about what's it going to take for us to be the church. Can you imagine for just a split second before I get into the scripture here? Can you imagine for just a split second we're relaunching this church. Seriously, our church is 10 years old, 10 and a half years old. And we are literally relaunching the church. And I wanna encourage you to be a part of that. We don't know who's coming. Uh, I would encourage you to go online and let us know if you're coming so we can make sure there's room for you. But we don't know who's coming. What what we do wanna say is, what does it mean for us to gather together and be the church that pushes back against the darkness? We've seen a lot of things going on Um, in our nation, um, political polarization, some horrible, horrible examples of racism that should not be. Listen, I know there's a lot of untold things there, but there are some things that don't matter. You treat people with dignity and respect, and the place that that should be modeled more than any other place is the church. And so as we come back together, what does it mean for us as a congregation to be the church of Jesus Christ? And that's what I wanna talk about. What is it gonna mean for us to do that? We're in the middle of a war, okay? Now some of you will say, yeah, that's right, the Democrats, the Republicans. That's not what I'm talking about. We are in the middle of a war that has been going on since Adam and Eve, and honestly, it's been going on since before that. And the idea that there are people that that will go through life, that will go through church, you know, I get that there's people that don't believe there's a God. I'm just telling you, there are people going to church that do not believe that they're in the middle of a war. I can read them the passage from Peter over and over again that your enemy is a roaring lion, and they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just telling you, That's the real part of what's going on in life, because that's eternal. Check this out. There's a war going on between heaven and hell, between Jerusalem and Babylon, between good and evil, between life and death. And the only thing that it has at the crux is our eternity. And I want to show you that because we've got to decide, what is it going to take for us to to be a part of this battle? The battle's been won. But what does it take for you and I to be a part of this battle in the midst of the last 12 weeks, in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of, it's not going to stop. Tomorrow it'll be something else. There will be something else pushing back because Jesus said that as we get closer to the end of times, things are going to escalate. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be, it just goes on and on and on. You know, a father will be against his son, a father-in-law against his son-in-law, a mother against her daughter. We're seeing that escalate. So what does it mean for us to be the church? We're in a war. I want to go to the book of Ezekiel. Today I wanna do Ezekiel, okay? So I wanna, it's it's one of the bigger prophets, it's one of the bigger writings. So if you just crack your your Bible in half, you should be, about in the Psalms, okay? And so then you're gonna find the next biggest book is gonna probably be Ezekiel if you're not in Job, okay? But let me just read for you Ezekiel 28. And I want you to just listen to the words. You You can get your Bible if you'd like to. But I want you to listen to the words and tell me, huh? What's going on here? Okay, everybody, you're in your living room. Everybody said, huh, what's going on here? Now, now listen to this. Ezekiel 28, beginning at verse 11. Are you ready? The word of the Lord came to me. Came to Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel's a prophet. He's prophesying on behalf of God. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up a lament. Cry out for, okay, concerning the king of Tyre. T-Y-R-E. Say to him. King of Tyre, who's not a follower of God, okay? Say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Are you ready? You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Huh, what about that? All right, every precious stone adorned you. Let me see if I can mess these up. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, okay, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I, look at this. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub. Pay attention to the words, okay? From among the fiery stones, your heart had become proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth. Did you get that? You were on the mount of God. I created you, I ordained you fiery stones. You got proud. I threw you to earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who are watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you and you have become a horrible end and will be no more. Do you really think that God wrote that? and he's talking about a king that had a throne on this planet. Do you seriously think that when he says, I created you in heaven, you walked among the fiery stones, you got proud, you sinned, so I threw you down to the earth, that he was talking about a king that sat upon a throne on this earth. He's talking about our enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever it is you call him, old soul, S-O-L. Okay? He's talking about him. He's talking about a battle that was taking place in heaven. He's talking about something that's real, not fictional. He's talking about how things came um, to pass. Um, The king of Tyre was not in the Garden of Eden before or in the Garden of God. He was not in heaven and then got cast down to earth. That's the devil. It's a picture of a war. And it's a war that's been going on since the garden and even earlier. Let me take you to the book of Revelation, okay? Now remember, when you read the book of Revelation, and it is a very prophetic book, I need you to understand, just because something is a prophecy, it does not mean it has not taken place yet. Some prophecies are spoken and fulfilled. Sometimes prophecies are spoken and are unfolding before our eyes, and some prophecies are spoken and are going to be fulfilled. We're still waiting on them. But listen to this one from the book of Revelation. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven the dragon and his angels. Peter will say, a third of the stars fell when Satan was cast out of heaven, okay? And so it goes on to say, the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Therefore, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth And the sea because the devil has gone down to you he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short do you see the picture there is a battle going on there is an angel that got cast out of heaven because of his pride and and his fellow angels a third of the stars of heaven came down here with him and he is after you he is furious that he is here the scripture will call him in the New Testament the prince of the power of the air When Jesus is tested in the wilderness and the devil says, listen, look around here and worship me and I'll give you all of this, Jesus never says, it's not yours, it's mine. It's not yours to give away. He says he's not going to bow down to anybody but God, but he never challenges the devil because the devil is the prince of the power of the air. He is here, he's not an angel anymore, but he is here and there is a battle going on. Um, l- look at what we're going we're gonna to get into this, okay? The world is very blind, and they just don't want to believe it. We don't want to deal with it. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, like Hollywood's version. I'm not talking about like Supernatural on TV in the series. I'm not talking about uh, uh, some of those other stuff that they produce. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real. I'm talking about Paul saying that the, the enemy, the devil, that, that Lucifer himself will appear enticing as an angel. And, and so his, his, his demons will as well. They're not gonna scare you back to heaven. They're gonna entice you away. And so that's what we're looking at, okay? In order to live strong and emotionally strong lives, we have to be able to answer in the midst of this battle and being on this earth, these three questions, okay? These are not the crux of the message. They lead us into the crux of the message. What's it gonna take? But we've gotta know this. Where did we come from? Where do you think you came from? What kind of a person are you, Big Bang? Where did the dust that Big Bang came from? Where did that come from? You, you have to have an answer for it. Otherwise, you have to step into scientific faith or you have to step into religious faith. I choose to believe that I was created. That you can see as an artist, a creative process going through animals, going through um, um, you know, different kinds of, of, of monkeys and things like that. We did not evolve from them. You can see the creative process continuing to climax in human beings and eventually with women. Wow. They're they're cute, too. But anyway, I'm just saying. But we can see that. And so we have to ask ourselves, where did we come from? And I'm I'm a Psalm 139 guy. I'm the guy that says, I was knit together in my mother's womb that God knew me before I was even there. He planned for me. He prepared for me. There's no place I can go to get away from him because he loves me. So I know where I came from. Do you know where you came from? See, knowing where you came from is identity, and I'm a child of God. Yes, I've sinned and I was separated from God, but I'm a child of God. And I love the way John opens up his version of the gospel of Jesus Christ when he says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I love that. Look at this. Children born not of natural descent, not from a lineage, okay? Not a husband's decision, not because he went in and was with his wife, not because of that, okay? But born of God. That's what he's talking about. We have been made children of God. I know who I am. I know the very next question. Then why am I here? Why am I on this planet? What's going on? The dragon's having a battle. There's angels fighting with each other. There's a war going on, heaven, hell, Jerusalem, Babylon. Okay, but what am I, what am I doing here? Check this out. That's called purpose. What's your purpose? To make more money? To die with the biggest 401K? Or to invest in people's lives? To stand up for the oppressed? To stand up for those being beaten down? To not be afraid to stand up and say, that's gotta stop. The, the, the examples of racism, just I don't know if they're more gruesome, but it needs to stop. But it has to start with the church. We're not here to tell the, the world what to do. We're here to introduce people to Jesus and have him transform their lives and show people that that has to stop. We do have to say something, but we've got to live it first. And so we have to understand then why are we here? In the book of Hebrews, it says this, First, Jesus said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Look at this. Though they were offered in accordance with the law. God, you gave us the law, but even those you weren't pleased with. And there's a reason Because Paul will tell us in his letter to the church in Rome that that the the sacrifices were there to teach us that we needed a Messiah. There to to convict us of sin. God just continued to compound the law until there was enough law that we're all sinners. And we don't have the right to throw rocks at each other. And so Paul, as he writes to the church, uh, the, the Hebrew people says, Though they were offered in accordance with the law. And then Christ said, Here am I. I've come to do your will. There it is. We are on this planet, that's my purpose, to do the will of God. He sets aside the law, he sets aside the first to establish the second, to do your will. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we set aside the law, it's done for us in that we have surrendered our life to Christ and we accept that payment for our sin. For people who haven't done that, then they're still accountable to the law because they have not been set free. They have not received the freedom that's free to them. And then the third question is, if we're gonna win this war, it's like, where are we going? Man, you just can't run around and flail. Paul says we can't fight like a boxer just doing this, swinging our arms with our eyes closed. You don't do that. You fight on purpose. You fight in a directed manner. You have a vision, you have a focus, and it's right there in front of you. And so we have to say, where are we going? And this is the hope of Christianity. It really is. So we need to know our identity, we need to know our purpose, and we need to know our hope. And our hope is in Jesus in John 14 saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Listen, we got troubled hearts. We got troubled hearts. I'm back in church, it feels good. I spent all day in my office, well, till lunchtime. It feels good. There were people busy doing things in church like used to be eight weeks ago, 10, 12, 15 weeks ago. It was great. And, and, and that, it just feels, it feels good. It feels good. But my heart has been troubled for entirely too long. I have sinned and let it own me. And Jesus says, but don't let your heart be troubled. And I wanna say, then blow the trumpet, bring us home. And he said, no. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me, in the Christ. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that and I've told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you so that you may also be where I am. And so if I want to know what my hope is, my hope is that, yes, I'm going to leave this body, that death is not something for me to be afraid of, regardless of how it comes to me. The goal is to leave the planet and enter into the open arms of my Father who is in heaven and the Christ who is actually preparing a place for me. That's my hope. And I've got to understand that if I'm going to continue to win this battle on this earth. Because my my A point, my A point is there's a war going on and then all of that, Right? Where did I come from? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Okay, so my B point is, the enemy is actively trying to destroy you. He is literally trying to destroy you. And it's not one of those, yeah, 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 he's trying to wreck me. Um, The the vacuum sweeper broke yesterday, destroyed my whole day. You know, it's not that. He wants your eternity and he can come after you. But he's got to get you to let go of it because he can't take the love of God away from you. He cannot separate you from the love of God, but the only thing in that list that doesn't show up is your personal will, and God never takes your will away from you. It's a choice every day. That's why Paul tells Timothy, be careful that you don't drift away like so-and-so did, because it's a choice. The enemy is actively trying to destroy you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to, dev- to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because he knows we know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And so we have this picture of the enemy who's trying to destroy us. There are a lot of ideas on how the enemy is trying to destroy us. And I'm just telling you, we get super complicated, but it's entirely too simple. The enemy is destroying us, and his method is entirely too simple. And let me just put it this way, okay? He's simply trying to sow into your heart, okay, that the whole goal of being on the planet is to be happy. That God just wants me happy. That that's all. Did God really say... Remember when he was in the garden with Adam and Eve, he came as a serpent and he said to Eve, he said, "Did God really say he sows a little bit of doubt?" And we forget that we join God and God doesn't join us and we're in the middle of a war and we can't be dictating how the plan's going because God sees the overall battle and he's got the field in front of him and he's got to direct us. We can't direct God. The battle is not won by saying, oh Lord, give me a better job. It's not won by that. It's won by saying, God, here's my life. What do you want to do with it in this job? And so we've got this picture of the devil coming at us and and, and all the devil's trying to do is say, did God really say that? Did God really say that? He began to create just a little bit of doubt, a little bit of narcissism, and then all he had to do was sit back. Did God really say that, Eve? And then he just sat back and watched it all unfold. From there on out, society has just changed the picture, to, excuse me, the scripture to suit the moral code rather than changing moral codes to suit scripture. And, and, and that's what's going on. We've rejected the word of God. And from there, it just destroyed the nuclear family. All the enemy had to do was begin to destroy the nuclear family. Erode marriages by inserting phrases, I deserve to be happy. A faster car, a younger wife spending uncontrollably, saving to an extreme degree, thinking that's my salvation. No. But he sewed that in there that it really is all about me being happy. And I interact with entirely too many people that say, well, I'm just not happy in my my marriage. And I know that's not what marriage is supposed to be because marriage is supposed to make you happy. Listen to me. Happiness is a choice every single moment of every single day. If you're waiting on circumstances to make you happy, you're already out of control. You really are. And that's not where God wants you. You're gonna be blown around like a wave on the sea or a cloud in the sky, okay? From here on out, we see things like, I deserve to be happy. I deserve better than this. I don't deserve this. I deserve a better job. And all of that metamorphosizes into, God only wants me to be happy. God wants me to have more than this. God wants me to have better than this. God freed me so that I don't have to deserve this. God wants me to have more and not less. We talked to God, and God understands that we're going to continue this way, even though it's diametrically opposite of his teachings. That's not the way God meant it to be. That's the enemy hooking your soul and pulling you away like that. And actually, all he's doing is watching because he just sowed some seeds of doubt. The enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to take your joy. Every day you get up and hate your life, he's winning. And you're losing, and God's brokenhearted for you. He robs you of your joy. He steals your relationship and actually, you know, sometimes invites bad decision-making on your behalf. behalf. Um, um, Rash decision-making on our behalf leads to negative consequences. And then we want to blame God when if we had just backed up and said, God, I need to talk to you about this. Should we do this? And God would have said, hey, that might not be best. Let's don't do that. But even when God says that to us, we say, "Ah, I'm going to do it anyway, don't we? But then we wanna blame somebody, and that's not what God wanted. And finally, it creates a disposable society. The enemy has created a disposable society. Disposable marriages, okay, that die when somebody doesn't always get their way. Disposable children, if we don't want them, we just get rid of them. Disposable companies, disposable employees, disposable lives, disposable relationships. Because it always is about us, I deserve. Without being mean and nasty to you, if we're going to be the church, we've got, to, we've got to grasp the understanding that apart from Jesus Christ, what we actually deserve is eternity in hell. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I've got to be honest with you. What you deserve is not a good marriage. What you earn and build is a good marriage. What you earn and build is a good job. What you earn and build is, is integrity and truth. But, but we don't deserve it. Those things we work at. We're thankful for the freedom and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. The last thing that we have in this this thing that's going on around us is this battle has eternal consequences, straight up. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal, that ongoing, never stopping, always there, fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you realize that hell was not prepared for people? People were never supposed to go to hell. uh, The angels were cast down to the earth. God began to create a lake of fire, a very real place. It's not a metaphor. It's a very real place because Jesus says it's a place for the devil and his unholy angels. And the truth of the matter is when people decided they were going to follow the devil, where are they going to follow him to? We follow Jesus. He went to prepare a place for us. They follow the devil. He's only got one end. And at the end, the scripture says the devil and hell, both of those two things separately will be chained up and then they will be thrown into a lake of fire. Lake of fire, hell, the devil. If we're gonna follow the devil, that's our end. And it's not a party. I'll go party with the sinners. It's not that. Man, if I could just, if God would just show you a picture. There is a heaven and it's very, very real. And there is a hell and it's very, very real. So let me go through this. What's it gonna take for you and I to be the church? What is it going to take for us to be the church? We're coming back together as Vineyard. We are coming back together as Vineyard. And listen, let's don't pretend that there hasn't been some tensions. (laughs) Okay? Being locked up, segregated, separated, and away from being able to hug us and hug each other has allowed some of the frustration, the pain, the hurt to manifest. And I'm sorry to say, yes, I have been there. And I'm not sure that I'm over it yet. I just know I have to keep working on it. What about you? What about you? Check this out. What's it gonna take for us to be the church? We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. You've gotta sell out to God. It can be, there can be nothing more important in your life than the will of God. Not your wife, not your kids. Not, well, I don't know about that. No, no, no. That's God talking, that's New Testament Bible. That's not Joe Wood. If you say, well, that's not what I signed up for, I'm telling you, you're not in. And you're certainly not all in. You might go to church, but if you're not, if it's it's not God first period end of discussion and his teachings and I'll die for them, you're not in. I just got to be straight with you. We have to sell out to God. Revelation says that no one that does what is deceitful will enter the kingdom of heaven, period. We don't get to tell little white lies. God said no. His son Jesus had to die on the cross for little white lies. We have to sell out to him. Sell out means, who do you listen to? I listen to God. Who am I? What am I trying to do? Uh, I'm trying to uh, get people saved. That's what I'm trying to do. And that leads us to number two. Get on board with the uh, mission in the local church. Are you, wherever you are out there in, in, in Cyberland, are you involved in a local church and in the mission? I'm not saying you gotta live in the worship center or live in the sanctuary or sleep on the pews, okay? What I'm saying is, are you involved? Do you have a part because you were uniquely created to do something? Check this out in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's writing a letter. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, Speaking in tongues, language, administration, um, gifts of works and service. They're given for the common good. If I can be a preacher, I mean, excuse me, if I can be a Christian, if I can just say, you know what, I'm done with the church, that's it. I'm just going to go kayaking every Sunday. I'm just telling you, if you can be done with the church, I'm telling you, you're not part of the church. I want you to rethink that because this passage says that God gives the gift that's inside of you for the common good of gathering together he says he's building a church. He's not just scattering bricks all over and saying, there, that's my church. It's, it's, it's being built up. It's not a building. It's a building of people. It's, it's a gathering of people. It's an ecclesia. It's a gathering of people that form a, a, a family. God's common good means it's gathering in plain sight, and that's God's plan. You've been endowed with spiritual gifts, but they're for everybody, and these are the most important, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul said that he was, as he was being led by the Holy Spirit, now I want to show you a more excellent way, entering into um, 1 Corinthians 13, but then he ends it by saying that love is the greatest. Okay, Get on board with the mission of the church and persevere at the work that God has given us. And that's where we're going to struggle. Because we throw up our hands when it doesn't go our way or when it's not easy. Man, the disciples lived in in jail. They lived in um, 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 being excluded from society. They lived in traveling. They lived in poverty. They lived in wealth. They lived, but they never forgot their mission to the day that they were martyred. They lived the mission. We can't forget the mission when we go to work. We can't forget the mission when the neighbor comes over and yells about our dog. We can't forget the mission when, um, you know, my, my fellow employee doesn't like my cubicle. We can't forget the mission is love. Sometimes things have to happen, people have to go their separate ways, but I'm telling you, the mission is love. It's not wimpy love, it's powerful love. The kingdom of God is advancing violently, the scripture says, and men lay hold of it violently. See? It doesn't mean we beat each other up and hurt each other. It just means we're, we're going to do this thing, we're in it, and we have to persevere. Hebrew 10, 19, to the end of the chapter, is a call to persevere, to not give up meeting, not give up growing, not give up hoping, not give up serving, not give up believing, not give up righteousness, and certainly don't give up our growth in holiness, becoming more like Christ, less cussing and swearing, less drinking, less being mean to our neighbor, more willing to apologize, more willing to own our stupidity and our bad decisions and our sin, and go to somebody and say, I sinned against you. I shouldn't have done that. Hebrews 10, beginning of verse 36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what was promised. In just a little while, He, Jesus, who is coming, will come, and He will not delay. And by my righteous one, but my righteous one will live by faith. That's you and I. And I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back, God says. We can't shrink back. We've got to be more Christian, more loving, more serving, more giving, more reaching out, more testifying. Um, more miracles, more empowering um, because we do not belong to those who shrink back and are afraid but to those who persevere and by faith are saved. That's what it's going to take for us to be the church. Rick Warren said of the Saddleback Community Church in um, in, uh, Orange County, California that's where his church is, Rick Warren he said that, that the mission of the church is these concentric rings, five of them. We're going to be the community on the very outside. Let me, let me just share with you real quick, real quick. I'm wrapping it up. Okay. The community is the county or the region that we live in. And we're trying to turn them into the crowd of our local towns, cities, and circles of friends. And we're trying to turn them into a congregation of people that attend, attend on occasion. No big commitment, but you see them on Sunday. They're not invested yet. And we want to turn that congregation into a committed group of people that you can count on them. They're going to be there. And we want to turn that committed group of people into the core. And those are the people that will serve, pray, give, and lead, and go out and plant more churches. That's the mission. That's the goal, is to move those people from outside to inside. And that's why we can't allow anybody to be marginalized, and certainly not because of the color of their skin, and certainly not because of their economic condition. We have to be the people that say, enough of that. It doesn't matter. Step up. Step in. Make a difference. Stand up is this year's word. And it's time for us to start doing that. We don't have to be ugly about it. We don't have to be ugly. We don't have to use a lot of adjectives. Stand up and say, that has to stop. How can I help you? We can do that. We've been called to sell out to God. And if the church is going to win, and if we're going to be a church at Vineyard Community Church, we have to sell out to God. It's time for you to say, i got to live my life God's way. No more living together. Please, please, don't, don't come and tell me you're a Christian, but we're living together. That's an oxymoron. And I'm not trying to pick one sin is worse than the other. I'm just saying it, it seems to be the most popular in our society right now. God does not say it's okay. No. We have to do things God's way or we're only fooling ourselves. We've got to sell out. We've got to get on board with the local mission. You've got a gift and the local church needs it. I don't care if it's First Baptist up on the hill. I don't care if it's the Methodist church downtown. I don't care if it's the vineyard. What I care about is you've got a gift and you're supposed to be a part of a local church and God wants you using your gift to serve the church and serve the community. Man, you've got to get plugged in. And then the last thing is we've got to persevere. I know it's hard. Guess what? Broken people make up the church and sometimes they'll sin on you. Just like that. They send right on you. We have to have forgiveness for each other. We do, and it's the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? It's so easy when I open a door into an employee and say, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. But when I do it to somebody at home, I get all mad because they were standing behind the door. <laughs> Why can't we be more loving, especially to the household of faith? Do good, Paul says, especially to the household of faith. That's what I want to talk to you about. Where do you find yourself in this? You're in the middle of a war. Are you being beaten down and eaten? Because that really is what happens. When the the devil sows discontent inside of us, it begins to eat at our heart. And then sooner or later, it begins to eat us. And we need to be aware of that. Want to be the church? Next week, we're coming back together. It's going to be great. Everything's not gonna be comfortable for you. It's okay. Let's let's not let it be about you. Let's let's let it be about Jesus. Let's get together because we wanna worship together. Let's get together because we believe the Holy Spirit's gonna fall on us. Let's get together because we love each other. Let's get together. Let's be the church. Pray with me. Father, as we come before you right now. You're building. You're building, God. You're building the church with people. You're building the church with gifts. You're building the church with power. You're building the church with appointments. You're building the church with opportunities, but you are building the church. And crazy as it sounds, you're doing it with all of us broken people. And I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, God. As we gather back together, God, I ask and pray that you put your arms around us. Continue to open things up. God, I continue to pray against this virus. In the name of Jesus, I just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Get out. Pray that you continue to let your spirit of healing and protection cover your people. Let it be seen just like in the, in the Passover, in Moses' day. Let it be like that, God. Let there be times to testify. But let us make ourselves available to you if we're going to be the church. Thank you and praise you for gathering us together. Thank you for the homes that we're in right now. But more than anything, thank you that that's not stopping the kingdom of God. We release this on our communities in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, somewhere in here, God begins to speak to you and I really do believe that. There's no sense preaching if we don't believe that God's actually moving, the Holy Spirit's changing people's lives. And I hope more than anything, he's not going, yeah, see, I'm right. But he's saying, hey, 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 whoa, 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 back it up. What is it you need to ask forgiveness for? What is it that you've offended God in? Where is the place where you need to come to Jesus and say, man, I need prayer for this? If you'll go to VineyardRichmond.com, down in the lower right-hand corner, there's a little green box that says chat on it. And there is literally somebody at the other end. Now, you're not going to talk to them voice to voice, but you'll keyboard to them back and forth. And you don't have to tell them any more than you want to tell them. But they're there to pray for you. And if you haven't been prayed for yet, hurry up because pretty soon we're going to be gathering together and you're not going to get to do it online anymore. I mean, you can if you want to with your friends, but I'm just saying, here's an opportunity to have somebody pray for you. A very real person, no algorithms, <laughs> a little person, dark haired person, a little dark haired person, kind of a big guy. Okay. They're going to pray for you. You know why? Because God loves us. And if he loves us, he loves you. Little button, VineyardRichmond.com, chat, push it. Watch what happens to your life. It can be pretty amazing. For those of you that would like to, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Hey, listen, come in a manner that makes you feel most safe, okay? I got no rock to throw at you. For those of you that's like, ah, it's too early. I'm not throwing any rocks at you either. Stay home. We're going to live stream this, baby. It's going up this week. That's what's going on behind me. We're going to do our level best to have it ready for you so that you can take your time to integrate back in. Because we want you safe. More than that, we want you to have peace when you worship. And that's our goal. So in any case, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Check it out, VineyardRichmond.com. What to expect when I come back to church. I'll see you next week.